Divorce is not an option podcast. Stephen James Dixon, Tamara Glaspie. We weren't able to hook up this week to record, but the show must go on. Gonna go ahead and release uh, the first three chapters of my audio book, Men Don't Heal We Ho, for your listening pleasure. Um, appreciate everyone checking in every week, listening to see what we would offer to the podcast universe. Um, this week, like I said, first three chapters, Men Don't Heal We Ho. Uh, to get the rest of the chapters, you can get that anywhere, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, Spotify. Um, definitely appreciate your purchase. Uh, the next week, we'll get back to it. Divorce is not an option next week. Uh, make sure you subscribe and follow us on uh, all those same places like iTunes and Google Play and Spreaker Radio, um, the podcast app on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube. Um, so we we'll appreciate everyone out there. Uh, enjoy leave feedback and always you know tell a friend to tell a friend Stephen james dixon enjoy men don't heal we hope a book about the emotional instability of men by Stephen james dixon preface the purpose of this book is to give you multiple relationship examples and examine those examples from all angles. This will help you possibly consider a different perspective or answer questions you've always had. That, in turn, can help you have better, stronger, and healthier relationships. I am of the male gender, so it may seem like I am taking the side of the man, when actually I'm just being harder on the woman because women actually listen, learn, and implement sometimes. Men can hear some, but they don't listen. This will not be a male bashing book either. Not our fault women allow us to become what we are. Women will get the uncensored, uncut, raw male point of view. Men will get the truth about us. We are trifling. I'm not bashing. We trifling. The first half of the book is loosely based on my travels, combined with my observations, enhanced by my research and insight. The language will be raw at times because I want to convey the real emotions, thoughts, and ideas of men. All of this is for you. I write like I talk. Imagine that I'm sitting right across the table from you. I call it my Shaolin writing technique. It's chopped and screwed. It's fast-paced. I talk directly to the reader. I speak boldly. That's because I want to reach you, and being bold is the only way to do it. None of my stories or examples are about my current marriage. I was forced to add in this statement. Wifey has allowed me some freedoms to say some things in this book that married men probably should not be at liberty to say. She's been paid off. If you get a book with a page or two ripped out, know that I fought for those pages and I lost. Any good stories about wives are about my wife. Any bad stories about wives are about somebody else's wife. There is nothing bad about my wife. And if there was, it was forcefully removed from this book. If there was, not saying that there was, just if. The second half of this book is written by the professor and me. I am not a professor. The second half contains random, arrogant thoughts about the world that we live in through the eyes of me. My thought process is simple. My resolutions are often seen as complicated until explained with examples. I am not your average writer, counselor, or problem solver. My advice is unconventional, unthinkable, and at first glance may even sound ridiculous. Think it through and you'll find it is sound and only appears ridiculous because it goes against so much of what you have seen, read, or been taught. Not for the faint of heart. But my advice is tried, tested, and true. I make some revelations. I shatter some myths. You will be entertained. I speak in generalities. I may say husbands, blah, blah, blah. I may say wives, blah, blah, blah. Now, of course, not all husbands are the same and not all wives are the same. I'm speaking in general, on average, or saying what I think. If you take it personal, I'm talking about you. A vast majority of people should be taking a lot of things I say in this book personally. 
I am grammatically incorrect on purpose. I may start a sentence with, or, but, ain't, and. Remember, I write like I talk. Talking is personal. A book is personal. I'm trying to be cool with you. If you are not cool or you don't want to be cool, then this is not the right book for you. You are whack, my friend. Whack. So come on this journey with me and venture into the psyche of men. I promise you'll never be the same. Chapter 1. Let me tell you about me. Maybe I was trying too hard. Wrong time. Wrong place. Definitely ended up being the wrong woman. Which was odd because I knew exactly what I wanted in a woman. More importantly, I knew what I didn't want in a woman. I am extremely picky when it comes to my choice of companionship. I have not excluded women based on size, money, race, or class. Yet, I always seem to find myself in the same position, wondering what went wrong after a failed relationship. Have you ever been in the same position? Maybe you went into a relationship with high expectations, but after a while, the same familiar things started to happen and the inevitable breakup came. Well, come sit a spell with me and I'll show you how it happened for me and maybe you can see some things about yourself in my examples. This is my attempt at pointing the finger at the man in the mirror and saying to that brother, you are the common denominator in all of these failed relationships. I have handpicked every single woman that I have ever been in a relationship with. I was not forced. I did not lose a bet. No tricks. I was not drunk or confused. However, at the end of each relationship, I find myself asking myself the same question. This relationship was never going to work. Why did I think it would work? I just need a good woman. One who's caring, concerned about my well-being, dependable, trustworthy, and God-fearing. Responsible. If she doesn't have a high-paying job, at least have a promising career plan. I can purchase teeth, but she got to be willing to work out if she's overweight. Be able to cook a decent meal. Homegrown. Good family roots. That's all I need. Not much. Nothing fancy. I don't need a supermodel. She has to have a huge heart, though. I need a lot of love, attention, and affection. I don't have any special requirements or needs. As many women as I have dated, you would think I would have found by now the perfect woman for me. Relationships are funny like that. Some days, woman seems perfect for man. Other days, man and woman are trying to figure out how to quietly and without notice remove their significant other from the face of the earth. Why is that? How is it possible that I can spend years sifting through women and not be overwhelmed with joy each and every morning when I awake with the chosen one? Is it me? It can't be me. Who am I? I am a 31-year-old, God-fearing, church-going, and tithe-paying. I have a college degree. I am a homeowner. I don't have any kids. I am a lot of fun. I'm intelligent. I can discuss any topic you choose. I no longer look like I was sculpted out of rock like I did when I was younger. But the little belly I do have, ladies like to rub on it. <laughs> I still get compliments on my physique when I rip off my outer garments. I have been told that my smile lights up the room. I don't smoke, don't drink, never have. I cook. I keep the spot clean, good credit, but bad luck with women. I whine and I dine. I am a romantic. I rub feet, quite skillful in the bedroom, gentle and patient. But after being divorced, experiencing a broken engagement, and going through a couple bad breakups later... I am starting to think it has got to be me. I have had all types of women, young, old, lawyers, doctors, actors, unemployed, and teachers. No kids to three kids, overweight lovers to fragile, lightweight heifers who threw up after eating, homeowners to women getting eviction notices. I'm not getting the right combination of characteristics for me to gain long-term happiness. I love hard, and I have felt some good love. 
Like most people, I love love. I want to be in love. I've been before four times. I still love all four of them. Three of them, I left. The fourth, we went back and forth. She would leave, come back. I would leave, come back. I broke up with her five or six times. She broke up the last time. She gets the credit for the breakup though, huh? Sometimes I think I will never love like that again. Sometimes I feel like it will not be possible for me to fall in love again at all. The thought of being open like that again is scary now. It's painful. The next woman who gets me to love like that is going to have to sign a contract. Not a marriage license, a contract. Not an agreement, a contract. Not an understanding, a contract. Something that states that if it doesn't work out and it's her fault, I get to whip her ass. She spends all our money. I get to punch her mom square in the kisser. Same thing goes for me. I turn up missing for the weekend or she finds a condom wrapper. She gets to kick me in the groin. As soon as we see each other in public, we already know what it is. I won't run. You won't hide. You will not try to block as I cock back. You won't even flinch or duck or try to explain again. I pop you. We exchange no words. I keep it moving. You tell that punk that you with that it's okay that I busted your lips because you cheated on me seven years back. Who knows? Maybe after 10 years, no hard feelings. We shake hands. Doubt it, though, because I am so serious about this contract. My point here is that emotional pain, money, and guilt are not enough to make relationships work these days. It seems that there should be some kind of contractual understanding at the outset so both parties know how serious this thing is and are doing their best to make it work. When we break up after putting our hearts into a relationship, we feel raw, angry, and sometimes a little bent toward violence. Don't lie. Have you ever been hurt by someone and then you wanted to go out and just do something to make that person really hurt? Of course. That's how big of a deal relationships are. I started this chapter by considering the fact that in all of my breakups, I was the common denominator. It's easy to blame the other person. After all, we're good at shifting blame to someone else. But ultimately, the responsibility for our happiness lies within us. When I look back at my earlier self and all of the broken relationships, I begin to see that there were things that I was doing and thinking that contributed to those breakups. What about you? As you think back over the broken relationships you left behind, what comes to mind? Is it possible that you magnified small faults in your partner until they became big boulders, firmly planted in the way of your relationship? Is it possible that you expected much more of your partner than you were willing to give? Or is it possible that you were going for the wrong person even from the start? I don't know which of these may have been an issue for you. If you're honest with yourself, as I had to be honest with myself, you'll start digging deep and finding some answers. Chapter 2. Don't try to tell me how to get it. It is a beautiful ceremony. Weddings always come out better than expected. Well, they should. Because if you're like me, you feel so blessed to have the woman that is now your wife that nothing else matters. As long as she says I do, you have a perfect ceremony. Never mind the flower girl tripping and falling and falling all over the flower basket and running down the aisle and the ballerina tripping and she falling all on my grandma. Don't worry about all that. I vow to give the world to my wife. I'm prepared to give this marriage all that I have. We will be happy. She's going to be safe, sound, and secure. I am so in love with this woman. God has truly given me his best. She is everything. Smart, beautiful, supportive. My new wife will let me be the man of the house while she worries about being the woman of the house. She loves and needs me 
And of course, she's a God-fearing woman. She was raised in the church. Both of us graduated from college yesterday. We just got married five minutes ago. I obtained a bachelor's degree in computer science. She obtained a bachelor's degree in biology. She's going to start med school in the fall. We've been together three years, been living together for two. We decided that we had been together long enough and it was time for us to jump the broom. Family, I right. Her little brother loves me. Her older brother is supportive and her dad is the dad I never had. Her mom's, ooh, that woman. I will forever be working on that woman. But she does respect me. My family loves Denise. My mom is really good at making people feel loved and welcomed into our family. My sister always wanted an older sister. And my brother, he just started talking to girls. We choose the Chocolate City as our place to continue this next stage in our lives together. D.C. is a wonderful city for young couples to grow. Denise was accepted to Georgetown Medical School. I got a nice little job at a technology firm. Okay, so we 90 days into marriage. I thought they said this marriage stuff was hard. I mean, it's hard on me, but the marriage is not hard. We get up, have breakfast, then I'm off to work. She's gone to school. I make a trip up to a school and surprise her and take her to lunch every week or so. Send her flowers at least once a month. I do most of the cooking and cleaning. I take care of all of our investments, banking. She pretty much just goes to school. She leaves at 7.30 in the morning, doesn't get home till about 11 o'clock at night. She is so exhausted by the time she gets home, I just warm up her food and we go to sleep. Everything is cool, except for one thing. We are not having sex. She went from being a freak, having to have me inside of her three times a day before marriage, to now only needing me seasonally. We have been married three months and my wife has changed. I received no advance notice. I did not get the memo that we were not going to have sex anymore once we got married. I have to sneak sex in order to get it. I wait until she's dead asleep. Not half asleep, dead asleep. When she's dead asleep, I can get three-fourths of the tip in. By the time she wakes up, full stroke, I'm in now. So you might as well participate. And she does. Six months in, we're already at the counselor. Trying to figure out why Big Worm... Yeah, I said big worm. Um, you know brothers got to name their genitalia. Don't name your genitalia. Your genitalia must not deserve a name. It must be small or irregular. Uh, let me just get off your genitalia. A big worm stays dry 30 days at a time. I'm 23 years old. I'm used to having sex every single day. Now it was once a month just because I'm married. The counselor says I can't get sex because my wife is tired. Shit, I'm tired too. Tired of not getting no sex. He is fired. I'm going to find me a problem solver instead of a problem identifier. He's making announcements. I'm looking for resolutions. You hear me, Doc? I need to get some from her. You don't hear me? You probably don't get none at home either. I have identified the problem already. That is why we're here. I need to get some from her. Back home a little later, I'm watching the clock roll from 11.59 p.m. to 12 a.m. Day 31 is upon us. 2.37 a.m. and I'm still up doing a head spin on my dick. Get it? Head? Head spin? I can't keep doing this for the rest of the book. Y'all are going to have to keep up. Okay, so she says to me, honey, you can't sleep? I say to her, nope. Me and Big Worm are wide awake. I humbly accept the charity sex. I promise a quickie, but I'm lying. Once I get in, all bets are off. I don't know when I have another opportunity to get some again, so why would I... Agree to any terms. No conditions. Don't try to tell me how to get it when I do finally get some. I've been waiting on this. You got to take this, boo. I hate when she says make it quick or don't beat it up. She never said that when we were single. I don't even really understand that. What does that mean? They are foreign to me. It's a whole nother language. I am ignoring all special requests 
if I'm not getting it on the regular. I'm thinking about the game. I'm doing my taxes. When I'm in, I'm thinking about everything else but the sex so I could just try to last as long as possible. Big Worm is talking to the ill Nana like, you remember me? I'm revisiting, reintroducing myself to all of her inner walls. All objects, things like her cervix, uterus, lungs, kidneys, pelvis, I'm all up in there. She had the nerve to tell me that it hurt, that we had to stop. I contemplate life in prison. I pass. I withdraw. Unfinished. I'm not saying she's lying. It might hurt. I'm a big boy. I'm hung low. I'm just saying. Be a woman about chores and take this dick. My mind has all sorts of retorts. If we had sex regularly like we used to, you would adjust. I wouldn't have to revert to having to prove how much man I am, how much you enjoy sex with me. Tension between us mounts. We go to a new therapist. This one, a sexual therapist. And in my opinion, no better than the first. Nothing seems to be getting done here. The problem with this therapist is that she's trying to make both of us happy. Meet halfway, she says. Meet halfway for what? I am the only one unhappy. I point the finger at my wife. Fix her. That's where the problem lies. I'm an average American married man that want to have sex with his wife. Ain't nothing wrong with me. Why can't these therapists see that? Forget them. I need to just handle this on my own. But I can't even jerk off. I don't understand that whole touching yourself. I, I never had to do that before. I don't know how it worked. I try it repeatedly. I get focused, get my porn out. Get my KY out, it don't work for me. My marriage is riding on this. If I could just jack off and get this out of me, we might make it last forever like Key Sweat. I don't know if it's the pressure I've put on saving the marriage, if I can jack off, or what it is, but I just can't do it. I look down at myself, myself looks back at me. Big Worm just shake his head. Nah, bruh, it ain't gonna happen today. Not even hard. Could it be the KY jelly? Do I have enough lubricant? Maybe it's that crazy porn music. Turn that off. No impact, no effect. It still doesn't change. Big Worm is looking at my hand. My hand is looking at Big Worm. Neither wants to touch each other. Maybe I keep thinking that it's my hand touching Big Worm, and that's why I can't get it cracking. I need to visualize somebody else's hand touching Big Worm. Someone like, say, Denise. Shoot, why visualize when I can just grab her hand and place it where I want to? So I grab her hand and place it on Big Worm. She yanks her hand back. I didn't even entertain that possibility. I'm stumped. No plan B. Yeah. Yeah. What, what are you doing? I am asleep. What, what is that? Lotion? Lubricant. I thought your hand might like some dick in it. I am sleeping. Why would I want to touch your dick? My dick wants to touch your hand, so I figured, you know, the feeling might be mutual. So I guess you don't want to have sex either then. I become filled with anger. I say to myself, fuck you then, bitch. I never really imagined that I'd have to beg for sex from my own wife. In college, we were having sex 36 times a day. I remember, yeah, about 36 times a day, if I, if I remember correctly. I just cannot think of anything that is so significant of a change since our graduation that in our marriage, it has caused such a drastic reduction in our sexual activity. What is the problem? Is it the new city? New school? Medical school? I am desperate for answers. These counselors have been a big disappointment, so I must resort to figuring this out on my own. I turn to the internet. Every night, from about 12 a.m. to 2 a.m., I am butt naked, big worm, pounding away at the keyboard as we surf the internet, searching for articles, searching for information about the lack of sex in marriages and why. 
man, how did they get all these articles on the internet in such a short amount of time? Because they couldn't have been on the internet before we got married. These must all be new. This many people having problems with sex and marriage? Surely these articles, they could not have been available before we got married. I stumbled across one article about birth control. Birth control. Her birth control prescription changed. This article says that a new birth control pill could lower the hormones in a woman and decrease her desires for sexual activity. I look up my wife's birth control pill on the internet and voila, a common side effect of this pill is a loss of sexual desire. I don't know how to feel. Am I happy or am I more concerned about the hatred I feel for the doctor that created this bullshit pill? I mean, birth control is enough birth control. The purpose of the pill is to keep women from getting pregnant. Not to change their sexual appetite. If you change the woman's hormones and she doesn't want to have sex, then what is the purpose of the pill? Men around the world must unite and share this information and kill that female doctor who created this pill. It couldn't have been a male doctor, could it? He would not do this to himself. This is some bullshit. Eager to share my discovery, I turned to my wife, shaking her in her sleep. Baby, baby, you sleep? Wake up. Guess what I just read on that internet thing? Your birth control pill has a common side effect that it may lower the hormonal count. Your hormonal imbalance may have a negative impact on your sexual desires. She's pretty groggy and not as excited as I am. What? Really? Oh, okay, can we talk about this tomorrow? Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, I guess you didn't care to be in possession of that information as quickly as I would have hoped for. Big Worm and I go watch internet porn. That piece of information doesn't immediately solve the problem. We argue about the relevance of my discovery and whether the pills need to be changed. After six months of arguments and two weeks of the silent treatment, Denise finally agrees to go to the gynecologist. She doesn't want to change her pill because it's good for her acne. Her acne. Her face is completely clear. No blemishes. In the process of her face clearing up, my face is broken out because I'm not getting any. To hell with her acne. She's already tricked me into marrying her. My, f my favorite position is, is looking at her from the back anyway. She can have bad acne for all I care. She can have bad acne and have a happy husband or good acne and be lonely. We can work on some external acne products later. I need to get internal right now. Doctor runs some tests and sure enough, the results confirm Denise's hormones are low from taking birth control. This birth control. Got to find that doctor. Doctor says it will take a couple months for the new pill to get her hormones balanced. I wish it could count her hormones every day. I am ecstatic. We will have sex 36 times a day again. I can't wait. Three months later, no improvement. What's going on, Denise? I just don't think I need sex anymore. <laughs> what? I don't have any desire for sex anymore. Um, what? I can go without sex. Go where? Honey, right now, I just, I'm just really focused on school, and I just don't have any energy for sex. You remember what the first counselor said. Fuck that counselor. He didn't solve our problem, did he? That counselor sucked. He didn't even know about your hormones and shit. Sorry, honey. That's just the way I feel right now. Are you trying to tell me that you don't want to have sex anymore? I need you to wait until I graduate from med school. Wait for what? For sex? What does med school have to do with sex? Well, I know we have to have sex. I just want you to be more patient. How much more patient can a man be than to wait 30 days for sex with his wife? What do you mean we have to have sex? Sex comes with the package. It is a perk. It ain't no damn job. It is a benefit, not a chore. We get to have sin-free sex. It is a marital bonus. It is bliss. 
Hell, it's, it's, it's why I married you to begin with. Are you telling me that I have to find another reason to be married to you? I don't see it coming. But that is the beginning of the end. We just get on each other's nerves from that point on. She can't understand me and I can't relate. I can't sleep. When I do, it's on the couch. I do not want to come home. I stay out all night. I'm not cheating. I just feel like there's nothing to come home to. I view her as a roommate now. Intimacy is gone. No affection present. I can't feel love. I'm mad, hurt, disappointed, confused, and frustrated. She accuses me of cheating, and I'm following her to make sure she says she is where she is. I'm convinced that somebody else is getting the sex that I should be getting. My insomnia is so bad that I go to the doctor. He says, I just need some rest and gives me some sleeping pills. They don't work, so I just become sleepier but unable to rest. We separate. I shared this part of the story with you because I know many couples have similar challenges. Issues surrounding sex are a key reason for marital dissatisfaction. For many couples, the sexual frustration spills over into other areas within their marriage. If one partner is not happy with the sex life, then that could turn into anger and resentment as it did in my case. Suddenly, problems that may ordinarily not be big deals turn into very big deals. That's because of the sexual frustration colors the perception of every other element of the relationship. In my story, I could not see anything good about our situation. Once the lack of sex set in and became the rule, I could not consider my wife's feelings or the possibility that school was stressful and crowding out her desire for sex. I could not consider that a little understanding on my part could have been the catalyst for change. All I could see was my lack of sex. What I've learned from studying marriages and others is that neither partner can discount the importance of a sexual connection. And part of considering the sexual connection is recognizing that each partner may have a different level of sexual interest. At any time, it's up to both partners to figure out a solution. As far as my wife was concerned, sex was a distraction from the very demanding life of medical school. As far as I was concerned, sex had nothing to do with her schooling. If we had been mature enough, we might have been able to find a workable solution. Here is a thought question for you. If your sex life is causing real drama in your relationship, how willing are you to talk? Really, honestly talk about it. And how willing are you to be a part of the solution instead of dwelling on your partner's faults? Chapter 3. I Learned How to Cry While my wife and I are separated, I date other people. I advise her to do the same. She had started taking me for granted. I figure that if she would go out with another man, then she would see just how good a man she had at home. I feel that my stuff is just that tight, that I have been a good husband for a long time. I'm banking on the next guy not getting that car door or not being as polite or not making her smile and laugh. After all, I have charisma and I'm a gentleman to the fullest. From day one, my mission was to make sure my wife didn't need or want anything from anybody but me. No man could be as caring or as understanding as I was. Any woman would be lucky to have me. At least I hope that her dating someone else would somehow, in a twisted way, let her know just how serious I am about moving on. I date other people because I don't know what else to do. I have screamed, yelled, and tried to negotiate. Compromised as much of me as I could. We have seen multiple counselors. I've even paid for a sexual therapist. I'm hurting. I'm defeated. So I set me free. I have a good time too. Yes. Nice little break. Yes. I do it. <laughs> I have sex with other women. Okay, let me change that word to the plural form. I have sex with other women's. 
I'm a man about it, though. I tell my wife before it happens. I say, hey, there's a possibility of me being intimate with someone else. She doesn't like that idea. Actually, she's totally against that idea. But she isn't there when it happens, so she can't stop me from doing it. I lie about it afterwards. I lie to my wife, but I don't lie to the other women. I tell them that my wife and I are separated. That's all the average woman needs to hear, or at least that's been my experience. The average woman wants a man badly enough as it is. Another woman's man is even more enticing. I don't know why somebody else's man is more enticing. I don't really get what the major turn on is about somebody else's man. I pursue other women without concern. Who am I to care? I already have a wife. It would be stupid of me to care about my mistress's feelings. I think I can go out, get the sex I need, and come back home refreshed and renewed. Like a spa treatment, but a little bit better. I figure I will be more patient and understanding. I'll be ready to work things out. I really couldn't compromise with my dick hard. But the sex makes things worse. Raw deal, huh? I finally get some and it just isn't any good. Wait, oh, exes reading along? Do not be offended. It was not you, it was me. I want to have sex with this new honey, right? Well, right up until insertion. Then I want it to be my wife. I would rather be making love to my wife. The more time I spend with other women, the more I think about my wife. I want my wife. I don't know what is happening to me. I have been hoping that it would happen to her. I wanted her to break first. She was wrong. I was right. I am not calling her. I will wait for her to call me. I call her. No answer. I wait a couple hours and I call her again. No answer. A couple days go by. I call again. No answer. I don't, I, I don't leave a message. <sighs> she got caller ID. Damn. Fuck caller ID. Now she know I called all those times. This separation is not going the way I planned for it to go. Hmm. Oh, well. Uh, let me, I guess I'll just tell y'all what's going on with me then. These women cannot get enough of the kid. I am aggressive. I am undeniable. They love my confidence. Women did not care that I was separated. They are too busy trying to make me their man to be concerned about how I am already somebody else's man. Oh. James, you are so funny. You are so sweet. I don't know what's wrong with your wife. That health is tripping. Yeah, she tripping, all right. But I think to myself, I, I wonder what is going on with her. It's been days and she hasn't called. I know she saw my number on the caller ID. Well, as long as she ain't calling, I'm out with other women. I'm taking trips. I'm having a good time. Almost happy. I can almost see happiness. I can feel it, I think. But I think this is what it used to feel like when I was with Denise. Of course, I'm missing my wife. I love my wife. But you gotta love the one you with, right? Might as well. This will all be over soon. Soon my baby's gonna call me. We're gonna work this thing out and she's gonna come home. It has been two weeks and she still has not called. And I know she got my messages. She didn't see me on caller ID 40 times and got 10 messages and still has not called me back. Meanwhile, I got women catching feelings. I don't understand that. One I had to sit down and tell. Look, boo, you know I got this situation with my wife, right? You and I need to slow down. I don't think I should jump into another relationship with you while i'm still legally married yes i still love her i told you i still loved her i enjoy spending time with you look woman i done told your ass from jump what was up shit ain't changed i told you i did not want no commitment i don't want no relationship you thought i was joking you know what i don't have time for this you give me a headache i'm out i leave my 20th message for my wife 
Maybe this whole separation thing was a bad idea. It's been over a month, and I have not heard not a single word from her. I just couldn't take it. I was through. I was unhappy. I thought we could split ways, get some fresh air, reunite, and maybe we could still salvage this marriage. All we were doing was getting on each other's nerves. She didn't want to hear me talk. I didn't want to see her mouth move. We were stuck at a point where communication was bad. There was no talking, just screaming and yelling. Neither one of us were trying to work out the problem. Each of us was only trying to make our point. She didn't have any point to me. I guess she thought I didn't have a point either. I don't know. She got to write her own book. You won't get her side from me. As far as I know, she was wrong. I am right. That is all you need to know. Trust. That's all you need to know. Six weeks passed and Denise has not returned my calls. I have to get a marriage counselor to call her and ask her to come to counseling. Something tells me that I might have made a big mistake with the whole I'm dating other people and might partake of some other woman's fruit. Somewhere in there, something didn't come out right or wasn't well received. The first sign of Denise still being alive is when the counselor calls me and tells me that she's talked to Denise. Now being the stubborn, stupid man that I am, instead of humbling myself and preparing to fight for my marriage, I'm upset that she called the counselor back but wouldn't call me back. She don't even know the counselor. Our marriage counseling session is drawing near. It has been two months since I've seen my wife. When I see her at counseling, I got to be clean. I got to be so clean that when she walk in, one glimpse of me is going to make her say to the counselor, could we borrow your office just for a couple minutes? I'm going to have to call in sick to work, take the whole day off to prepare, get new clothes, new shoes, new haircut, a manicure, let me, a pedicure. I got to be clean. I get cleaned up just in time to go to counseling. I drive into the parking lot. I drive around the parking lot five times. I don't see her car. I go inside and duck into the restroom to prepare. Double check. I look good. I'm clean. I'm ready to go. Heartbreaker. Let's do it. I step out. There she is. Head nod. Sucks. Casual. She looks better than I do in her old clothes. She's wearing red. What does red mean? Does that mean she's is she fired up? Is she mad? Or is red for love? She must have come here directly from the hairdresser. Her hair laid out. She nods back at me. Sup? She seems to be at peace. A calm is over her. She looks happy. I look good, but I don't look like that. I'm about to get broke up with. She looked too good to just be coming here to just talk. The counselor calls us in and asks, who wants to start first? Neither of us say anything. All of a sudden, I'm overcome with emotion. I'm hot. I can't maintain my composure. I can't calm down. For the first time in my life as a grown man, I feel like I'm about to cry. I feel like I'm on, I'm on the verge of cried them. That's right, cried them. Because I feel like if I start crying, it's going to get me, it's just going to be good to me. I'm going I'm to let it go. I got a lot of pent up in me. I'm just going to be crying. If she says anything, I'm going to cry. If the counselor keeps talking, I'm going to cry. I don't know why. I don't know how. I don't know how to cry. I tried crying two months ago. I couldn't squeeze a tear out. Nothing. I couldn't cry at all. I'm too manly to cry. I'm masculine. I'm a dude. I'm not about to cry. I remember sitting down one day and feeling so bad that I thought crying was the only way I could feel better. Women cry all the time. It must be good to them. It must work. Must do something. There's got to be something, some reason that they cry. Crying would be the only way to vent, to get this frustration out of me, to get this anger out of me. I need a release. It works for women. Should work for men too. I sat there that day at home and thought about all of our problems and how I didn't have any solutions and nothing. I couldn't cry. I thought about how much I loved her. Nothing. I couldn't cry. I thought about how much I missed 
missed the woman I married and nothing. I still could not cry. I thought about the love I thought we shared and nothing. I couldn't cry. I gave it seven minutes. Seven minutes I sit there and I tried to cry, but I couldn't. But on this day in counseling, I don't think I'm going to have that problem. The counselor says to us, We're going to sit here until one of you two starts talking. What kind of tactic is this? I'm thinking, what is the first hour free? Are you going by the book or are you going off the cuff? Is that your gut telling you to say that stupid shit? We're going to sit here until someone talks? Is that all you got? I could not cry, not one single drop that day at home. But now here, in front of the counselor and my wife, I can feel the emotion welling up inside of me, bubbling. Either I'm going to cry or I'm pregnant. I can't control it. I'm shaking. I'm sweating. The room is spinning. They're looking at me, asking me questions about me. Bathroom, I'm out of here. I'm a soldier by mine. Ain't nobody about to get me all caught up crying and whatnot. Shit. Not the kid. Got me fucked up. Crying right now will mess up my outfit. I ain't doing all that. I ain't going out like that. I ain't no sucker. I'm a grown-ass man. I ran out of there, but not fast. I did not run fast. It was brisk. I think I asked, could I be excused for a minute? So I'm in the bathroom, right? And it's just, it's so hot in here. I'm just, I'm sweating. This building has got to be the hottest building in the world. I'm splashing water on my face. I can't cool off. Then I hear a knock at the door. James, are you okay? Bitch, I don't need you to check on me. James, this is Dr. Collins. Maybe we should reschedule. Dr. Collins, I'm sorry. I apologize. Normally, I don't use that type of language. It won't happen again. I was just not prepared it's, for... It's, it's okay, James. Take your time. Try to put your feelings into words that are better suited for talking to your wife. You don't talk to your wife like that, do you? I have never cursed at my wife. I love my wife. So I returned to the counseling session. Denise asked me if I'm okay. <laughs> the nerve. I nod. I'm cool. Chill. Three, two, one. I burst into tears. I don't know what happened. I just lost it. I shared this part of the story with you because I think it's important to be honest when dealing with relationships. As men, we often try to pretend that nothing affects us, that we're full of steel and we're not vulnerable. We don't realize that this can stand in the way of us repairing or dealing with our relationships. I tried to be hard. I tried to be strong. But when dealing with my wife, it was tough. I suggested the separation as a way to teach her a lesson, to make her come to her knees. But I found out that I was the one begging for mercy. Before I share insight that can help you deal with your similar circumstance, let me finish the story of what happened in the counseling session. When I burst into tears, these aren't the sniffles or the tiny trinkles out of the corner of my eyes. I am 225 pounds, all muscle, all mass, all man. And now I feel as though I'm like 150 pounds, like a wet paper towel or something. If crying is some way of expressing myself, I don't know what I'm doing because I can't even talk. I just shake my head. I try to speak. I want to say something. Actually, I want to curse my wife out. I want to say words to her that will cut her as deeply as she has cut me. But I can't seem to get the words out. I have seen women cry and talk before together. They were multitasking. But I can't seem to master that. I can't do the crying talk at the same time. I can only cry. Denise has, she's surprised. I mean, she don't know what to expect. She's just looking at me. She's in shock. She's never seen me cry. I've never seen me cry. I see the concern on her face. She cares. She loves me, but she doesn't know what to do. She has never seen this side of me before. From somewhere in the distance, I hear, James, tell Denise how you feel. I just look at Denise. She looks back. I put my face in my hands. I know why I'm crying now. It's because I can't believe we're here. I can't believe what has become of our marriage. We are two intelligent people. Why can't we discuss this at home and work it out? Why can't we talk to each other? Why do we even need help? 
Can we work it out? Will we work it out? How much does she really love me? Does she love me at all? Is she in love with me? I cannot live without her, straight up. My life just won't work without her. I cannot make it without her. I need her. I love her. She is my wife. I hope she needs me. For the first time since I've known this woman, I'm thinking that we might not be together forever. With that in mind, I just sit there and cry. They watch me cry. They talk. I dehydrate myself. That becomes a pattern. Each counseling session, I cry. I walk in. Dr. Collins says, James, how are we doing today? I try to talk. I want to talk. I go blank. My stomach turns. I literally feel like my heart is breaking. I cry. I can't stop crying. Finally, in our last session, Dr. Collins tries a different approach. She snaps at me. You are going to have to get your emotions in check, James. That's all it takes. I stop crying. I can't talk, but I stop crying. All of a sudden, I look up and I'm embarrassed. I step outside of myself and look at me. How did I lose control of me? I was gone. No swag. I had curled up and gave up. My manhood was crumbling right before me. Could I ever recover? Could I ever be a man again in her eyes? Hell, could I be a man in my own eyes? I can't believe I've been coming here every week and crying for an hour on Thursdays from 1 to 2 p.m. for four weeks. I know that I have to make a change. I stopped feeling sorry for myself. Stop thinking that I'm the only person in the world that has had this happen to them before. Start thinking about the other person that's happening to right now who's looking at me start thinking about the things i did wrong start taking some responsibility it takes two i did some stuff wrong too i did i was not the best husband i did the best i could i did the best that i knew maybe she did the same maybe that's all she knows i still can't talk though but i can hear her talk before i could even hear her talk i didn't know what they was talking about i can hear denise i can really hear her now she says that she wants to work it out she said that she loves me she said that she's committed to our marriage and she's gonna try harder and that she's sorry I still can't talk. My emotions are still getting the better of me. I become angry. I'm enraged. She couldn't see this coming? Why did she neglect me and take me for granted all these years? Why did she do this to our marriage? I told her I was unhappy. Six months ago, she did nothing. But Dr. Collins is right. I need to get it together. Next week, I'll be better. We're going to continue counseling. I'll be better next week. I have seven days to figure out how to manage my emotions. I need to be ready to talk next week. That's enough of this. To prepare for my counseling sessions, I will talk to myself all day. Every day, keep myself calm. Be cool. Manage my emotions. I know we can start working on our marriage. I know we can make it through this. I just need to verbalize my feelings. What can I do? How can I control my emotions? I am a thinker. I am a planner. I am a problem solver. I just need an approach. I brainstorm, scratch paper, I jot. How can I stop crying? Why am I crying? Because I love her? Because I'm hurt? Because I want to hurt her? Why am I hurting so bad? Why do I cry there but not here at home? Because they're there. There is too much pressure during the counseling sessions if i can manage the pressure i should be okay i feel good now i feel positive this is the best i've felt in a long time i think it's the writing this writing is releasing my feelings it's calming me down keeping me calm it takes too much energy to talk maybe i just want to hear myself sound like a bitch is it not enough that i'm a bitch right now the truth hurts i gotta keep it real with myself maybe i don't want to speak our problems into existence maybe i'm scared wait i am definitely scared speaking on our problems out loud is painful so i gotta write writing our problems down is easier i can write then talk then write then talk i can write what's hard to say and then i can read it rephrase it i can say it i can do it i start writing all the time getting it out of me getting the anger out getting the frustration out getting the disappointment out getting over it getting over the confusion the doubt over the hill accepting where we are today our circumstance our situation why are we here you know what i'm gonna do 
I'm going to get me one of those little notebooks that, that it'll flip over. I can put it right in my pocket and write. I'm ready. I arrive at counseling early. I'm excited to show them that I'm ready. Denise walks into the lobby of the counselor's office. Normally, when I see her, I sneer at her with disdain. Today, I nod and smile. She does the same. She senses that I'm different. How are we doing today, James? They both look at me. I feel my nerves about to kick in. I flip out my notebook and I write. I am fine. James, what have you done to help you control your emotions? I write them down. Every thought that I have, I write down. I write down everything. Positive, negative. I write down all my thoughts. I begin to talk to myself, coach myself. I learn how to be stronger mentally. I regain my control. I regain my emotions through writing them down on paper. I write, yes, I still love Denise very much. Yes, I want to work things out with my wife. Writing was a catalyst for me. That was the thing that helped me see what I needed to change in order to help me face my emotions. I realized that I had become very angry and blamed my wife for all of our problems. When I wrote down my honest thoughts, I could face them and figure out how to address them in a way that would be helpful. If you are dealing with a broken relationship and find that your emotions are getting the best of you, then one coping strategy could be to find the catalyst for you. What will help you see your reality and begin to change it? For some, it could be writing about their experience. For others, it could be talking about their experiences. A counselor, a preacher, a friend, just find somebody to talk to. Someone who will give you sound advice. Find the approach that works best for you. Once you find the tool that will allow you to be honest with yourself about what's going on, you'll see a difference. So that's the first three chapters of the audiobook, Men Don't Heal, We Ho. Anyone looking to uh, continue listening to the rest of the chapters of the book, you can find the audiobook on iTunes, Google Play, um, Spotify even now So that's a good look um, Definitely support Amazon Also audiobooks also there It's a good listen um, It's kind of slow in the beginning here As I'm trying to introduce, introduce some things uh, Lay the groundwork um, But as it goes on It'll get more interesting Get more fun Get more fast paced I get a lot of good feedback from the audiobooks So I hope you guys enjoy it I'm sure you will um, Definitely subscribe and follow the podcast uh, what I may end up doing is the weeks that we can't record a, a fresh podcast, I'll download something from somewhere that I've been on, radio, TV program, or even a speaking engagement and share that with you guys um, just to make sure I keep feeding and keep feeding and keep feeding that monster um, and trying to build you know, a strong base in this podcast universe. Um, Divorce Not an Option podcast, Stephen James Dixon, Tamara Gillespie, be sure to leave a, leave a comment. Um, share with your friends and family on your social networks. Thanks a lot.